Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Staying Alive with me, Jesse Smith. A podcast about creative people, what makes them tick and how they keep on ticking. I hope you've all had an okay week in the circumstances. Thank you so much for all the love for the first two episodes. If you've got any questions, comments, or just want to say hello, you can get in touch by emailing stayinalivepod at gmail.com. We're also looking for sponsors for the show, so if you, your business, or anyone you know might be interested in advertising with us, please also get in touch. Today's guest is a brilliantly talented singer, songwriter and musician from my hometown of Reading. We grew up together and it's been brilliant to watch his career unfold and see his hard work come to fruition. Today's episode is a keyhole into the music industry of today. To see how bands like Only the Poets are making a name for themselves whilst currently still independent artists. When the coronavirus pandemic hit, the boys were on tour supporting Louis Tomlinson from One Direction, which was a huge gig and a real shame it was cut short. But hopefully they'll be back out on the road with him when it's safe to do so. Today's guest on Staying Alive is my buddy, Tommy Longhurst. No, don't think I've ever met anybody as competitive as me on FIFA. So you, said you, don't, you, don't, you don't play that much anymore, mate. I don't. Play, I, I got rid of my PS4 uh, about a year ago. Did you, mate? I'd, I'd probably mate, be like, a lot more successful if I had got rid of mine, mate. Honestly, like <laughs> for me, it was it was it was just a. <clears throat> it always made me just a, just not very productive. Yeah, yeah. Every time I had like a spare few hours. And mate, I just used to get so angry, as you know. Yeah, I just used to be like ruin my day. I would like literally like, ruin a few hours of my day. Yeah, I remember we had a, <clears throat> we had like a thing. Have you ever done a sofa sounds? Yeah, I've done a few of them. Yeah, mate, I literally prime example, right? We we had a, this was like right at the start of the band, and we had a sofa sounds thing, and I lost like three online seasons in a row. And like our bass player picked me up, and I was just in a bad mood. He was like, "What the fuck's wrong with you?" I was like, "Fuck off, man! I'm starting to talk about it." <laughs> um, um, and I literally just, to be fair, mate, I actually didn't buy FIFA after uh, the one before the not the newest, not the one before, but the one before that. I didn't actually end up buying that one, so I just start, I just sort of stopped playing. To be honest, mate. Yeah. Do you still play? I still play, mate. I've, uh, do you know what happened this year? Is I've got um, one of my really good friends, Christian. His brother-in-law works for EA, so I got sent a I got sent a download code, so I got the game oh, for mate. free. So I I almost like couldn't not play it, and because I don't have the disc, I can't even snap it when I'm angry. It's just oh, yeah, it's just mate. downloaded on my computer. Anyway, <laughs> do you know what? It's it's embarrassing, mate, because my hands. You know, you know where you get calluses on your fingers from playing guitar. Yeah. Like, obviously, my hands are pretty callous from just playing guitar a lot and my finger here. But I've actually got a little callous on my thumb at the moment from playing FIFA. 
<laughs> which is pr- which is pretty shocking actually but anyway we're recording mate by the way so Great. i just Great. introduced you i'm here with my really good friend tommy from only the poets and um yeah mate basically just want to have a chat about i i think yours is a real is a real success story in 2020 obviously you know there's still a lot more to come from you guys but i just wanted to just wanted to sort of get to the crux of like who you are and what you're doing and how how you've done what you've you're doing more more importantly because you seem to have this incredibly engaged really excited fan base you're you're selling out really big shows which is no mean feat um so i guess let's just start at the beginning so where so you know for people who might not know um who you or the band are like where did you start out how did the journey begin musically well it's funny you say that because people ask me this question and i don't know if you remember but do you remember about um this is probably 12 years ago or 11 years ago um we did a i can't remember what it was but you were like a you were like teaching music and you said you said oh can you can you like do a song and play the guitar i'd never sang in front of anyone with a guitar ever in my life and do you remember i stayed behind after and i played you the jcb song and you were like you let you're gonna do that in the show and i was like fuck really <laughs> and i was so nervous and it's so funny that you mentioned that because <clears throat> still to this day every time i do an interview and they uh, they ask where i started i say oh my mate literally just said to me you gotta do this and kind of t- took me out of my comfort zone so it is down to you a little bit it, oh literally. mate that's amazing like, i didn't know that because from that moment i because i played your taylor and i remember getting being so scared and then from that moment that christmas i got a guitar and then I started doing the whole like singer songwriter thing and just started writing off the back of doing that because I got such a sense of like, just, it was just amazing, man. Like, <clears throat> and that's you'd, you'd always sung, hadn't you? You'd always been singing, but yeah. just not playing and singing together sort of thing. But I was always told that I didn't really have like a musical theatre voice and I didn't really, it was always a bit more on the pop slash, I mean, I wouldn't say rock, but like it was a bit more raspy and like, and yeah, I just, I just like kind of, I guess I fell out of love with like the whole like musical theatre thing and then yeah, yeah. just really like got so super engaged in writing music because it just, I just got a lot of, I mean, you know, man, it's just such a sense of like, it just, just comfort from it and made me feel a lot better about writing about things I was going through. And I just got so much comfort from songwriting and, and yeah, I, I, I literally was just so amazed at how it made me feel. Yeah, <clears> yeah, totally. And you, you started off, I remember you, you did some quite cool um, sort of covers online to begin with, didn't you? Was that was that like a big yeah. part of sort of you yeah. learning how to play and perform? And Yeah, it was, man. I mean, so I did the YouTube stuff, which uh, when I started doing it, it wasn't particularly huge at the time. It was back in 2011, so it was a long time ago now. And uh, <clears throat> I did that for a few years. Unfortunately, signed a few bad uh, bad management contracts, which tied me down to things that I didn't necessarily want to be involved in, which really kind of set me back two, two or three years. I won't mention any names, but um, I basically got found by this guy and, and it just was, it was all a bit too good to be true and kind of ruined 24 months for me because I was tied down to this stupid thing. And then Quince, and then it kind of leads into the band because <clears throat> I just got found by this producer. This producer just messaged me and said, do you want to do a writing session? And I'd never, I'd never, I'd written with like Dan Bartlett, who you know, who was in the parade. Yeah, Dan's great, yeah. You know, yeah, he's great. You know, just did a few. And then basically just uh, went to this session and 
started working with, with a couple of guys and just, um, yeah, from there really just, just, uh, writing with other people. I learned a lot. And then I started writing at home and like thinking, and then I remember going to Reading Festival in 2014. So a couple of years after I'd been previously, cause I think I hung out with you in like, I think 2009 and 10, remember we were like, we were obviously a lot younger. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I remember watching the bands and cause I was into music at this point, I was like, fuck, I want to do that. That's yeah. what I do because <clears throat> even watching like you, like your, like the bands you were in earlier, I just used to watch bands and be like, that looks so fun. And like just feeding off the energy of other people would just must be an amazing thing. I thought, so I basically, uh, started jamming with Andy, our bass player. <clears throat> and then we got, we had two people that joined and got signed. I mean, they're an amazing project. They had like a side thing. They're a duo and they got signed by Polydor like in, inside two months of their first release. So it was incredible. Right. So they left and they're doing really well. And then Marcus and Jared came in. Um, and it's been, it's been amazing, man. I mean, we've, we've done things I never kind of thought that it would ever happen. And, it's been yeah. a, a mental journey, to be honest, thus far. And obviously, I'm excited for, hopefully, things to continue, you know? Definitely, mate. Well, we're going to talk about all of that, hopefully. <clears throat> um, I just want to go back. You mentioned you started working with a producer. Is that producer the same guy you're working with now? or No. So, I worked with uh, a producer and another writer for, uh, like, two or three years. Yeah. Still wrote on my own, but I did... did um, did like sessions with them as well. And like I said, just learned a lot from those guys. And then, you know, we kind of went our separate ways relatively recently. And it's a lot more um, just our mate now, like our, our really good friend uh, who was in a band with our drummer and guitarist. Because our drummer, and, our drummer and guitarist were the singer and bass player of another band. Right. So our drummer's got like an amazing voice. Marcus is an incredible singer. Probably too good to, he's probably a bit wasted on a drum kit because he's so talented, but he's, uh, yeah, and basically, um, so tell that to Don Henley from the Eagles, mate. Yeah, so we, uh, <laughs> uh, we, um, yeah, we basically, uh, so yeah, just, just, I guess those early sessions with those two guys, though, it really kind of helped me as a, as a writer because kind of just pushed me into like, out my, it was out, I was out of my comfort zone a little bit because it was quite a daunting thing because these guys had worked with some big people, man, like, I mean, they're both now very successful. I mean, they've got some, had some huge cuts with huge artists, and mm. but yeah, like going into sessions is is sort of sort of part of my like everyday thing now because I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I, it's not what we do. We don't we don't we do sit in a room and write as a band, but we also we also do. I also go and write with other people as well, and we just the best song wins for us, man. Like, do you know what I mean? So. Totally, and and every every co-write <clears throat> do. I've done a lot of co-writes over the years. You you pick up little tips, don't you? And you mm. you it pushes you as a songwriter. I I always find I I write best under pressure actually, and you know yeah. especially when it comes to lyrics because I'll be sat in a room and and if someone's like suggesting a lyric. I don't want to say no. I think that's crap. I, but my in my brain, I'm going, oh, that's rubbish. I got to figure something better than that. Yeah. And it, it makes it makes me write something better. Mm. And um, For yeah, sure. definitely. So how would how would you describe only the poets to to somebody who, who hasn't heard the band? <clears throat> I think like, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I love pop music, and I always have loved pop music. I'd say if you're going to put us in like a in a genre, I guess it's like. It's like indie pop. Um, we fairly recently, like two or three years ago, I started 
for some reason never really got into bands like the cure and the roses and blur and i just fell in love with this like british jangly like earwormy Britpop music that yeah just kind of like inspired me massively into like what i wanted us to kind of sound like a little bit um, that makes a lot of sense though man you know because do you know what with blur and with, <laughs> with the cure there's there's still attitude there mm. and like you you could be indie pop that's kind of throwaway but you're not there's a there's substance there you know and it's like i always have this chat about um because people with what i do they always assume i'm into like 80s hair metal stuff because the way i look and the way my voice yeah. is yeah but but for me, I was always more obsessed with the 60s and 70s stuff because it was rooted in the blues. It was rooted in feeling and emotion, like stuff like Led Zeppelin. And and then when it got to kind of Motley Crue and, and uh, sort of Guns N' Roses, it was all a bit, it lost a bit of that blues essence and the substance to it. And it just became girls, 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 mm. you know. Whereas yeah. what I, th- I think what you do is, like pop's not a dirty word, you know. Right. It's, it's um, I think what you guys do is, it's it's it, it's it's pop but it's it's definitely got substance to it and it's got attitude and your lyrics are you know they they don't they don't beat around the bush do they they're not they're not like yeah. little little ch- cheeky love songs I, I really like what you're doing man yeah oh thanks man i mean like yeah it's just i guess as well it comes from just being really proud of british music i guess like just really like I just remember, just remember really living with like, like Friday I'm in Love by The Cure, for example, which is now probably my favourite song of all time. Like, yeah, just, just incredible melody and just, I just love, like you said, like I love the attitude behind it. And like, I mean, if people come to our live show, I, I don't necessarily feel like if you listen, to, if you listen to a tune on like, you know, if you buy a record or, or obviously it can make you feel a certain way, but I feel like we, we are best. At our live show that's when you really get that that attitude because it's the best part of what we do in, in our opinion you know we love we love writing and recording but nothing beats playing shows man do you know what i mean totally totally well let's uh, talk about some of your shows then so i mean you you mentioned obviously we're, we're both from reading we we grew yeah. up together yeah so the, the mecca for me was always Reading Festival. I've got a tattoo yeah. of Reading Festival on my back. I went yeah. there nine years in a row. I've still yeah. never played it, mate. So you've got yeah. one up on me on that. So yeah. talk to uh, me about talk to me about playing Reading Festival. Oh, How was that? Jeez. Oh, so that was like, so we weren't really, we weren't, we, we had a pretty good summer. Of, we had a pretty good run of festivals that year. And we, I, I just remember getting our manager called us. We got it. We were the last act to get booked. Uh, I don't think, maybe not on the entire festival, but on the institution stage, we were the last act to get booked. And we, and I remember getting the call, and I just, I got so emotional. I wasn't like crying, but I just, I, I, the boys rang me. They're like, that, "This is huge, isn't it?" And I was like, just, "For us, it, from Reading, it is massive because, like you said, man, we grew up, grew up going to the festival. It's just mm-hmm. a shame that when we played it, mate, it was at half eleven in the morning. It was pissing with rain. So it wasn't, it wasn't like groundbreaking and, and we were a little bit gutted but it was incredible man and like and and obviously you get leads as well so it was the first it was our first time doing leads festival and that was really beautiful sunshine that day and it was incredible man and then obviously you get to go for the rest of the day and it was just it was pretty surreal man like being in another artist area and like just sort of i was like in there like just just looking at people walking past i was like shit this is ridiculous yeah um like in catering i saw like tom grennan uh, I saw, oh god, I saw so, I just saw so many people, and I just like, it's just fucking, it's bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. Like, and that's probably, I mean, that's still the biggest festival we've played. I mean, 
because running in Leeds is like a juggernaut, isn't it? It's right up there. It's right up yeah, there. Like yeah. Glast- I mean, you've got Glastonbury and it's probably a close second, I'd say. Mm. We so, did, you were at Isle of Wight the same time as us, weren't you, as well? Yeah, but you definitely didn't see us because we clashed with Kings of Leon. Wasn't it Biffy? I think, I think it was Biffy Clyro, Biffy, wasn't it? Biffy, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Not Kings of Leon, not Kings of Leon. Yeah, sorry, mate. I think I, I said to Ashby, I was like, oh, I was like, Ashby, come, <laughs> come see us. He's like, mate, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm sorry because <laughs> Biffy are like my favourite band. I was like, nah, I completely get that. Yeah, to be fair, I I not many bands I'd miss you guys for, but Biffy is one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was great, man. That's that was another 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 really cool festival. We did that through a uh, uh, there's a company called This Feeling. They give like real good opportunities to like indie bands and and they they championing you a lot, haven't they? Yeah, they have, and they gave us the headline slot on the last day there on their on their little stage. That was it was great, man. I mean, there was a good amount of people there considering we were clashing with Biffy. I mean, I remember coming off. I remember coming off and we, I took my in-ears out and I was like, I just heard many of horror and I was just like, oh, God, it's so, I was, I was like annoyed that I wasn't there and I was just like, oh man, it's just, I kind of wish I was, I, I, we were so glad we couldn't get to see Biffy, but it was great to play and you played as well, didn't you? Yeah, do you know what, out of, out of everything, obviously I've been so lucky with the gigs I've done and the festivals and stuff, I've, you know, but I think my biggest achievement from a personal perspective was was doing that festival with romances because you know i've you know you know i've done some big gigs mate i've done you know some stadium shows with with some of the cover things that i do like the gutter damring thing and you know i've, I've done forty thousand people but playing that hard rock stage at isle of white festival with my own band there was just no no feeling like it really mm-hmm. and it's that that's why i've got so much respect for what you boys are doing because you're you know you're out there you're doing your own thing you know and um, I, I kind of had to fight with that for years with with myself, just like, you know, because, you know, I've always been a rock and roll and I've always been into writing and all that stuff. And yeah. obviously it's different ways of forging your own career and lifestyle in, in, in music, you know, and obviously mine's always been well it sort of became by default like i was a bit of a hired gun you know and i've and it it's a double-edged sword because i've had so many amazing opportunities you know i've been all around the world i've done all these big festivals and stuff but um there's always been a part of me that's sort of it's been tinged with sadness that it's not been with my own band some of those right things, you know um so yeah massive respect man for doing what you're oh, doing thanks, get, get get into where you are for for doing what you are um but yeah, it was so nice actually that day when I bumped into you boys yeah. at Isle of White. I can't believe we bumped into each other, man. It was yeah. Such a big festival. And I remember, I think you, uh, it was like the side of one of the, of that, the, the big top, wasn't it? Yeah, there's a little VIP bar, isn't there? And you were like, the boat. So I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. That was great, man. Because we, 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 we missed you because we had a fucking nightmare getting in. It it's, always it's is. Whole... I love Isle of Wight Festival, but you got you got to get you got to get the ferry, and then you got you know it's just a bit all always a bit of a nightmare to get all the gear there and everything. Oh mate, tell me about it, man. Like, and they the whole island works in like a one way system when you get in. So yeah, yeah. Like we were we were pretty. Ugh, it was just so frustrating because because I obviously I was like oh my mate's bands on and I'm because I'd seen you play before, but I was like oh, I want to go see him at a festival, man. It's just there's nothing like it. Like. Seeing your mates at a festival is sick, and then seeing them play is even better. So I was gutted, man, because it took us like, well, from when we got off the ferry to like getting this festival, it took us about four hours. Yeah, I know. 
because we were in, <laughs> we were in a, a splitter van, so we we were having we were like kept getting detoured. It was it was a nightmare. But yeah, that was another like like you said, man. I mean, Isle of Wight's a, a big big festival. I actually forgot about that. That's probably as big as Redden and Leeds. Like, so that was a that was great to go like overseas as well. First time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what everyone said it's like that's not abroad it's like you want to try swimming it pal yeah exactly like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's an old, old uh, only fools and horses joke but um i was gonna, i just want to go back on something you just you were talking about before which was when you're backstage and you're you know you, you're, you're backstage at a festival and catering you're seeing tom grennan there i remember doing a festival in belgium and like florence the machine was sat over there and like alex turner was sat over there and paul mccartney was headlining that night H- how do you go from being in that scenario to coming home and and there's there might not be that many gigs in the diary and just keeping that motivation up because once you've done that kind of show, you're like, "This is me now. This is what I do." Mm. And then, and then the realization hits, doesn't it? That you you've got a that's what I mean. This podcast is called Staying Alive. The whole the whole thing is about how how we as artists continue to do what we do. Yeah, and you know, with all that entails, you know. So, how do you deal with the ups and downs of mm. being in a band? I mean, it's such a good point, man. Because like, <clears throat> only real people, only people that have been in bands really and, and artists understand it. Because you have some real lows like we've had some i mean we've had like i won't go too much into it because it's it's mental but we we found ourselves in a legal uh battle in in um in november which we thought the band was going to end in february and then luckily we got out of it and now obviously things are on the up again but like yeah man i mean like you said being backstage and seeing people you really at the time you're like this is what i do and then obviously for people listening that don't uh, know much about us, we are still an unsigned independent band. So, like, I don't do this full time. I still have a job. So, like, it's very difficult on your mental health because it's it's like you're living two separate lives. Like, totally. you, come, you come back from headlining Scala in London, and then the next day you're like you're like back at work. And you're just like, fuck. This is like. Don't get me wrong, man. We we felt hard done, but I think everyone has a music. I mean, I'm sure you have. Like. You, there's days when you think, oh, like, what do we need to do to, like, just get that lucky break, really? So mm. what we do is we basically, I think <clears throat> one of the, I mean, a huge shout out to our manager, Sam, who is an incredible, incredible young manager. Who, he's 27, so he's very young. He's the same age as us. And he is so, so driven and comes up with the most amazing ideas of how to interact with our following. And I think what we try and do is when there's not shows, we tend to fill it with writing and we try and come up with quirky ideas we use social media very, very like a lot. We're, we're very, very active on social media, and yeah, it's you trying, to, to, be, keep, trying to keep trying to keep people in, interested, isn't it? As well, man, like because that legal thing we're involved in is the reason why we've not put out a song in nearly a year, which is a long, long time to mm-hmm. not put out music. So we are very lucky that we've managed to kind of still go on these tours because normally you push a single or an album when you're on a tour, don't you, or an EP? Exactly, yeah. So like for us, it's like. We just kind of go. We did like a tour in like in like February, March last year, and then like put out a song in April, and then did another one like set, uh, October, November last year. So it's like a long way in between, and there's not really a lot else like happening. So we're so like <clears throat> we're very very grateful that everyone's kind of stuck by us, and yeah, it's been it is tough, man. I mean, you must know as well, man. That you get your real low days, don't you? 
yeah it's just it's just such highs and such lows isn't it you know i remember when i was doing um that gutter dammering thing i don't know how much you knew about that at the time but it, it was basically this film mm. um that that toured with a live band but in the movie there was all these rock stars so iggy pop was in it slash was in it um grace jones was in it henry rollins was in it. all these all these guys josh holm from queens of the stone age and um we were basically the band that were touring the soundtrack of this movie and our, the first gig of our tour was the olympic stadium in munich to forty thousand people oh my god and then and then we were playing like all these metal festivals in France and, and Germany and Spain. And, you know, we were playing to 5,000, 10,000. And, and nobody knew who I was, Matt, but I was walking out and I was being I was I was the face of this thing, you know, and um, and I was getting paid good money and we were on a tour bus and we were, you know, it was it was airport lounges and, mm. you know, and, and then that tour finished. And and I was suddenly like, hmm this is what I do now. I'm a, I'm a rock star, you know? And then that the phone doesn't ring for like a couple of weeks. You're like, oh, okay, I still got a bit of money. It's all good. And then, and then suddenly you're like, Oh, I better, I better go and call Mark down the ball, see if I can get a gig. Like I've got yeah. no money, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, yeah. and it's so bizarre, you know, and, and it does, it doesn't take away from the fact that you've done those things, but, but it doesn't mean you're going to be doing them again anytime soon. So no. you just have to keep keep forging your own paths, don't you? And, oh, mate, exactly. And and doing your own thing. I, I think the just going back to what you said about I want to really ask about your team that you've got around you for for any bands that are sort of trying to make it. Obviously, it's always so important to get you. You talk about your manager. And I, I follow him on Instagram. Actually, he just mm. seems so so um, positive and supportive yeah. of you. He's guys. a good. He's a good lad. He's a good boy. Yeah. So, I mean, what, how, how important would you say it is to get a good team? Obviously you've got an agent as well, haven't you? And yeah. How difficult was it to, to find, to find an agent? I get, you know, a lot of bands struggle to, to ever find yeah. the right agent for them. And mm. was it your manager that got you your agent? Yeah. So what, what we, what we did is, is very early on, we had a, <clears throat> we had an agent, um, and things didn't really work out, you know, so it was kind of a mutual parting, you know, um, and we weren't really getting a lot of, of shows. So we decided to just, for like, for summer 2018, we didn't really, oh, mate, I don't even know when, I, when Ryan came on board. But yeah, there was, a, there, was a, there was a period of time, mate, when we didn't have an, a booking agent because Sam wanted to just kind of figure out who was best for us, you know, and like, mm. I don't actually... To tell you the truth, I don't know the exact story of how we we went with Ryan, but he's got the same like hunger and and and, and desire and, and you know, man, he, he looks after some big artists and he still is on the phone to Sam, you know, just really championing us as well, you know, and, and sometimes if you've got you know, someone who's really successful, some agents might not necessarily pay their smaller acts the the, the, the necessary attention, but he's an absolute legend and we've got a lot to thank him for because he's got us some incredible shows but i think it's i don't necessarily think it's the be all and end all i mean some people don't ever get an agent they just do it themselves but it worked for us and but i think it's so important to have a to have a manager who champions what you do and is so you know you have to be on the same page and like you know me and sam we've never fallen out in in two and a half years never fallen out at all we've had disagreements about like you know 
you know, just, you know, things that, you know, you know, it's, you know, it's like, man, like you, there's things that we can sort of disagree on briefly, but yeah, it's very, I just think it's important to have somebody who really loves the band as much as you guys do, because they're responsible for a lot, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? Like they're the, they're essentially your representation for going into meetings, you know, and yeah, so. Totally. And you've got to have someone that's always got your back. I mean, <clears> I, <throat> I, my, um, just when it comes to negotiations and money and all that stuff. I mean, my, my musical theatre agent, you know, when, when I was doing the West End stuff, he was brilliant, you know, because it just, he would just do all the negotiations for me. So I'd walk into the rehearsal room and I'd just know that was all sorted. And they might have, he might have been having like loads of back and forth and arguments mm. with the, with the production, mm. but, but it, none of it was on my shoulders, you know? Yeah. And it's the same. Like, exactly, if, you, if you've man. got like, set, you, you know, you, you're the, you're the, like, for us, it's a case of, <clears throat> you know, we get, I get a call from Sam. He's like, yeah, so we've got, uh, you got, we got truck main stage, why not main stage, uh, the, uh, the big top of truck, big top of why not, big top of Kendall calling. And I was like, he was like, yeah, so hot, that's the Friday, Saturday, Sunday in summer. And I was just like, so sick. Like, that's when you really start to think, oh God, it's so great to have them on board. Cause you get those, those kind of slots, you know, and those kind of, and I think it's important for the, your agent as well to, to understand the, the vision. So him and Sam speak a lot about everything. But I think one thing I want to say as well, man, is like there's been times in my like musical career, which is pretty short so far. Like people have told me to dress a certain way and be a certain way. And one thing I have to shout Sam out about is the fact that what he said is he said to me that when he saw it from like an as a punter, when he got to know us, he was like, right, I'm going to really, really push this band so you're 100% yourself and use that to our advances. So, like, use your personality. Like, I'm like an ADHD, hyperactive guy who will talk to anybody. So we use that in, in our favour because I love meeting all our fans and we interact with our fans on such a personal level because I don't mind doing that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, mate, we do, like, only the pints on tour. So we'll, I'll go and have a beer with some of our fans before a show in a Spoons. Mm. Shit like that, man. And, like... But that's brilliant, mate, and yeah, and that's really, that's, the, that's you know, obviously part of the reason that you're doing so well. Yeah, you know, because because you know you can tell from a mile off when when you look at somebody's socials online and you see they've got twenty thousand likes on Facebook or whatever, and then and then they've got three actual likes on their posts. But you guys have you've got this super engaged fan base like you can tell every picture you post everything you do it's got like you know thousands of you know, you know people that just were super engaged and commenting and and i think that's again that that's down to your hard work and you you've you've got these people on board and and got them to to be true fans of yours you know and that's how you can you can do a venue like scala so mm. i mean how so how do, how does a band like you go from just starting out and writing songs to play in the Scala. Cause for me, that's just, it's such an incredible achievement, man. I mean, when you look around at bands trying to get people down to the Dublin castle, they can barely get 10 people out and you boys have just sold out, sold out Scala. It's, it's literally such an amazing achievement. So how, how did you, I guess, how did you get from point A to point B? Would you say, what were the core things that led you to sell so, out like that? Yeah. And so, Back in, uh, so when, um, so Sam came on board, uh, you know, just, 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 I say like, let's say start of to that, January 2018 to make it easy. It was around then. And like, you know, we, 
it's, it's funny you say Dublin Castle because we played that venue like seven times in 2017. Yeah. Um, we had, like, had a residency there, actually. The Quotes had a residency there for oh, a while. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mate, I'm not going not gonna to slag off. It's a fantastic venue with a great tall stage. And, like, I remember what it was like, man. Like, you know, calling my mates in London, like, I'll oh, come down. It's only... The thing that used to blow my mind, mate, is the fact that they would charge £8 a ticket in there. That's what I didn't... That didn't sit well with us because, like, our Scarlet Show was £10. Like, I always thought that was a bit difficult, and that's what made it hard for bands as well in small venues. Is like, it, it, mm. that's an expensive ticket. Eight quid for the Dublin Castle is an is expensive ticket. So It is, but, like, but then but then the venues aren't making money, are they? Because nobody goes that, out. Exactly. So it's a double-edged sword, you know? Yeah, exactly, man. Like, <laughs> that's what I was about to say. I'm not going to slag them off because, obviously, they need to do that. But it makes it very difficult for the artist. And, like, so the, the, the biggest point for us, man, like, is the fact that we went, we were very lucky and Sam came on board and we had no agent at this point and he got us a tour with a band called Coast who unfortunately split up. Uh, they, they've ended now and they're great friends of ours. So we did like the Forum in London, like Manchester Academy 2, you know, like I'd say like 500 to 2,000 cap venues across the UK in April 2018. And we, what we did is me, me and Sam and the boys, we sat down and we brainstormed just how we can really entice you know let's use this opportunity because these fans are going to be receptive to our sound because we're quite a similar sounding band so what can we do to like you know win them over and and, and turn them into like fans of ours and we you know we just made so much effort in like standing by our merch desk after every show and like trying to meet as many people and getting photos of as many people as, and chatting to people and just doing that man like supporting if you get on a support or you have to take advantage because i feel like some bands just won't do that. Like you have to really take that opportunity because off the back of that, mate, we then sold out our first tour in September because we were only doing like 80 cap venues, you know? So we went from like, if we were winning over that 10% to, to, you know, to invest in you and to buy tickets, then, and like, that's, that's what happened, man. Like they just, we had, we all of a sudden had a, this lovely little loyal following off the back of doing that. And then we did our own, our own tour. And then we got, and not the Coast uh, final tour in uh, October of that year, which is so October 2018. And then, um, and then we, and then we went on to do, but like, it wasn't just from that. I think once we started getting a bit more of a following and a bit more engagement, we really, like I said earlier, we really started acting on that and just really engaging with everybody. Like at mm. one point, man, we were replying. I mean, at one point, not so much now, but we were replying to every single direct message we ever got and having a full conversation with every single person. Yeah. Because That's it's amazing. Just, yeah. It's just, it's just, I've, I'm not going to say any names, but there's artists that we've been around and I've seen some really neglect their following and just not come out and meet anyone, not really seem that excited or mention how amazing it is for them being there. And like we just really hone in on 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 you know thanking them because without them we wouldn't get to do these amazing amazing shows you know man and then with Scarlet honestly man we just we thought can we just do it should we just should we fucking go for it mm, like it was a, a risk. big it was a big risk because we did Dingwalls in February which how big Dingwalls five hundreds yeah they're still big so venue, did, but, but yeah oh, amazing like amazing venue did that just about sold that out like two days to go and then and then our agent and and uh the promoter we are with with live nation and our manager they sort of banged heads together and they were like 
let's go for it, man. Let's let's on your next tour, let's do let's do Scala because it's a statement. So, and then we basically went through a bit of shit, man, and we kind of told people about it online, not not to get them to buy tickets necessarily, but just to just to remind them that we're really kind of grateful for their continued support since we haven't been putting a lot of music out. And then, mate, we literally there was a surge of tickets like two days before the show and it sold out and, and it was the best night of my life. It was very, very emotional and just because unsigned bands don't normally sell that venue out, man. Like, no. And, you know, it just, we just, we just feel very, 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 very grateful for, you know, I never, ever think, Oh God, that was a, you know, that was an easy thing to do. This is you know, now let's do Shepherd's Bush because I'm so aware that to go on from there is going to be so hard. Yeah, well, every step is an, it's another, you know, it's another big effort, isn't it? It's another mm. gigantic effort. But it's testament to you boys and all the hard work you've put in, you know. And you, you look at, um, you know, like all these other unsigned bands, you know, that uh, that trying to make it. And it's like you say, it's just it's just a real massive achievement. And I think from the outside looking in, what I saw leading up to that show, I couldn't make it, unfortunately, but, but was just you made everyone feel like they were part of this thing. They were achieving it with you. Yeah. You know, you, you were saying, you know, help us sell out this, this gig, you know, and it was so engaging and it just, it made everyone go, yeah, definitely. I want to be part of that, you know, and I, I want to go and I want to go and join this, this group of people that are just this unsigned band trying to do this amazing thing, you know? And, um, exactly, man, that's, that's, that was like one of the main things that we, we, we were like, this is, you know, this is, you know, this is this is a night that's going to be all about us. It's not about, you know, us as in the band, as in you and me. Like, you know, this is our our journey together. Like, it's amazing, man. Like, I love here. Like, when I like speak to some people at shows, they say, "Ah, oh, you know, we were we came to see you at um, the Dublin Castle in London," and it's like, "Wow, so you were there from the very beginning." And like, mm. we just want to like. I mean, I love it, man. Like when we do London shows, I recognise so many people because we just we just like they're just lovely lovely they're just legends and they you know we are so so grateful man and like i know exactly how hard it is so you know we're not we're not we're not really successful we're still a baby band in the grand scheme of things but i if it all ended tomorrow i wouldn't be that pissed off because i've been lucky enough to do some pretty amazing things you know definitely man and there's no, there's nothing like seeing people singing back to your lyrics is there you know oh, a show like that that it's was just, uh, that was the first time that happened. That was pretty, uh, pretty emotional as well. I mean, like, yeah, it, it, you don't really fathom that ever happening until it happens. Like, could you go to shows and you scream the lyric? I mean, I've, you know, I go to shows and lose my voice cause I, you know, scream out people's lyrics, but when it happens to you, it's an incredible thing. Um, particularly when you're supporting people, that's what we've had as well. Like, on, on, we, we supported an artist called Ten Tons, and um, he's George Ezra's little brother. And uh, okay. we were like in Nottingham, and we'd never been there before. And we sang Ceasefire, which is our most popular song. It's a brilliant um, song, mate. Thanks, man. And like people were singing it. And I was just like, and people will probably check you out when you get announced, but like, yeah, it, you know, there's nothing like it, man. I'm sure you agree. Being on stage, you just feel fucking electric, don't you? Yeah, I mean, with what even with what I do, you know, obviously I've just been on the back of this classic rock show tour, and even when I'm doing 
Freebird or something, you know, or, mm. or, or Highway to Hell. Just just the buzz I get from people singing that is 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 you know is crazy. Yeah. But but when it's your own song, it's just a different kettle of fish, isn't it? And so so let's just talk about your songs a sec. So how do you? How do you approach writing songs to begin with? You said you go into co-write sessions. Do you, do you sit down with an acoustic guitar? Do you do you start on a laptop? Do you create beats? Like how do you how do you write songs as a band? So for <clears throat> so earlier on, when I was kind of like learning learning as I was going, I guess like there was I was trying out different ways. So I would I would go in with an idea. Like it's it, it always started with just. I never ever come. I've never ever ever written lyrics before a melody ever in my life, which is quite mm. strange. Never written that way because um, I kind of feel like the words have to fit with what I'm scatting. Like, so I come up with the melody first, which is yeah. I don't know if that's interesting for people, but yeah, like I, a lot of the time I'd come in with an idea, man. Like I start with just me. I actually play. I actually do a lot on just the electric on my electric guitar, to be honest. Mm. Just, uh, I love playing electric. I mean, because I only started playing electric like five years ago, so I, obviously I love I love playing electric guitar. And just uh, yeah, so it, it tends to start with a progression and and like a scat. I do like a scat, and I'll record if I you know I might record it and then show it in a session. But and now it's the similar sort of thing, mate. Like if I go into a session, I tend to have an idea, and if I don't have an idea, the producer or somebody, if they've got, got keys there, they'll, I'll be like, just let's come up with a cool progression, and then I just start. Going, nah, 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 and so I mean, just coming up with melodies in my head and then recording them if I like them and keep doing it. And I kind of do it like that, really, man. And then the lyrics come like after. Yeah. Because I'm always obsessed with making sure that, I mean, I'm one of these firm believers and like, I just, the chorus is so important to me. And I just, I kind of want everything to, to lead up to a lovely, I can't really rate understated good choruses. I, mm-hmm. I have to take my hat off to people that can write choruses that are really like do you know what I mean like that hit hard but they're not like do you know what I mean (laughs) so yeah yeah and like I just yeah like that's kind of how about your lyrics what what inspires you what what do you tend to write about just just about like literally about how I'm feeling I mean I've written like songs about like you know obviously love and relationships and loss and like, you know, breakups. I mean, everyone, you know, we've all done that, haven't we? Um, and then like, but then I started to like, <clears throat> right. So our song, even hell, for example, a lot of, some people will ask you what that's about. And, and from the outside, it sounds like you're singing again, it's about like a relationship or a girl or a boy or whatever. But, um, you know, it's, it's, that's a, that's a love letter to music, you know, uh, you know, it's nice to know I'm not alone. I swear when I'm with you, even hell feels like home because I was in London and I was on the tube and I forgot my headphones. And oh, that is the worst it. thing. That is because the worst thing. Because there was like, <laughs> fucking like, just, and I literally was there and I was like, and then like a week later I was back in, in King's Cross and I was, and I was just thinking, I was like, shit, music is literally like, keeps me sane in, in certain scenarios. So I went into the, to the session that day and I wrote that song about you know it's you know like the first lyric is hold me steady the rats are racing like that's fucking people like because everyone's in such a rush aren't they in London like everyone's fucking totally and like Mate, I've, since I've lived here I'm so much more impatient honestly yeah just walking around the tube you know and I have to stop myself sometimes I'm like why am I 
why am I walking up the left-hand side of the tube? Like, I've got nowhere to be. I'm just coming home. Like, chill out. <laughs> you have to remind yeah. yourself. That's just London, mate. <laughs> and, but, like, yeah, so, and then, like, we've got, we've got, I've written quite a lot of songs in isolation about how I'm feeling. I mean, I've, I mean I'm sure we've all struggled a little bit. It's, it's rubbish, isn't it? I mean, mm. you know, you, you know, it feels, I wrote a song called No More Lonely, which we, uh, another cool idea we had. So I basically recorded a very, very first, you know, first demo of it at home. And we sent it to all our mailing list, like all our fans as like a little, just a little like demo on SoundCloud, like a private link and said, you know, don't send it out, but this is for you. This is a, you know, this is a gift to you. And I hope this gives you some kind of, you know, comfort and, and, and to let you know that if you are feeling this way, you're not kind of alone. And like, so yeah, man, I mean, just right about it's really cool man it's, it's really i love how honest you are about about it all you know and, and about how honest you are with your fans and mm. and uh, there's, there's that song um emotional as well and it's what the lyric is something like you know who the fuck is who the fuck is he to look at me like that yeah look at me like that <laughs> you know it's just like it i think it's quite brave and you know and quite y- your your honesty is brave you know mm. There's so many people that, that that wouldn't say that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that song's just <clears throat> ballsy. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a weird night. That was that's that, that's written about purple turtle. The, the lyric is so funny because people have because nowadays people can put your lyrics online and without your consent. So, so all our, so our songs are on Genius, right? And the lyrics mm. are just all wrong. Right. <laughs> like, emotional. The lyric is. Funny I run into you Friday midnight turtle, and it says, right. "Funny I run into you Friday midnight toll." So <laughs> what? But obviously, why would? See, I, I, me and the band always laugh about it because for somebody who doesn't know Reading, that's like being like, "Funny I run into you Friday midnight hedgehog," just saying a random animal. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Because you don't know that it's a bar in in. in yeah, but that that you know that song is great because that's a real kind of autobiographical song about a particular thing that happened to me, and it's you know it's it, it's that's the beauty of songwriting, isn't it, man? It's like you kind of look back and you listen to things, you think, oh fucking, hell, I remember that, I remember that time in my life. Definitely, definitely, and actually, I've I've been doing a lot of um, I want to get <clears> onto your um, online shows as well in a sec, but I've been doing a lot of um, like a weekly online show. Yeah, I've been watching. I've been watching them not live. I'm watching them afterwards. Oh yeah, it's um, you know, you sort of you forget how many people you've picked up over the years. You know, of, of different projects I've been involved with, and do you know what? It's it's been quite emotional for me because people have been so generous in their donations and stuff. It's sort of keeping me going at the moment because obviously we've still got to pay our rent in London and everything, and and um. And people are requesting songs that I wrote when I was in my early twenties, and that I've that I'd forgotten about, you know, old, old quote songs and stuff like that. And mm. and um, yeah, it's it's some of those. It every every gig I do, there's there'll be a little bit of nostalgia there where somebody asks for something that I haven't played in yeah. years, you know. Yeah. And like you say, it just takes you back to a moment in time, doesn't it? It's just. Totally. <laughs> and totally. you're 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 planning on doing some um some streams as well, right? Some. Yeah, some so we're stuff. doing a we're doing a. So we're doing a live stream tour, basically. That's what we're calling it. Um, so we're doing a, uh, one for, for so one in Spain, one in Germany, one in England, then another one where uh, basically we're just going to let people decide. Probably the one, <clears throat> the country that we see prop up the most 
probably worth mentioning the reason why. I don't know if you know. Have you? Did you see that we were very lucky? We were lucky enough to go to Europe, but it got cut short because of coronavirus. Yeah, I, I did, mate. It's incredible. I was going to get onto that. So you were supporting oh, Louis Thomas. Oh, sorry, Thompson, sorry, right? man. No, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah no, it's it's wicked. Because yeah, people probably think, about hang on a minute, how the fuck is? Why are you doing a Spain Spanish one? So we were very lucky. So Louis Tomlinson, who was in One Direction, the the who about the band that sold the most tickets ever. Yeah, which people don't. People don't know that. that they sold more Bizarre, isn't it? The, they sold more tickets than the Beatles, U2, everyone. They did like they did like three nights at the San Siro once. That's like two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. people. That's bizarre, isn't it? And like so and, and and obviously they've all gone their separate ways. I mean, I think the Harry Styles record's amazing, the new have you listened to it? It's really good. There's one where he's quite check sort of David Bowie esque, isn't there? Yeah, he's a single I saw. He's doing check out like uh, Adore You and Falling at like I mean, the guy's got, he's got a great voice, but his, I mean, he's really like found his path. I mean, I think he's a great, he's a great artist, but Louis is just like a a fucking absolute legend, like a proper, like proper geezer now he's grown up and he's like, he loves like, I see his playlist. He loves like Sam Fender and Catfish and the Bottomman. And like, you know, he he really loves his indie, like Arctic Monkeys. He loves all that, like, you know, he loves that, that, that music scene. And like, Mm -hmm. so I think he was like, maybe looking for like a kind of indie, pop band to come on tour with him we were lucky enough to do a show with him for Brits Week which our agent got us and then on the mic he was like oh I fucking love that band we should get him on the Europe and UK tour and I'm standing there like fuck me what's going on yes <laughs> like it was insane like on the mic he was literally what do you think about that support band then and he was like yeah we should get him on the tour and I was like I stand there's my manager we were like what the fuck did I just, did I just hear that <laughs> it was amazing man so, so we played in front of 3,000 people in Barcelona and 2000 in Madrid and then the pandemic obviously came and took the world by storm so we flew home which is a shame but we've got the rescheduled shows but that's why we yeah so we have so when's that going to be now like an amazing Spanish following now it's incredible I am so overwhelmed because like me and you have been talking about man like we're so we're all about like interacting and meeting everybody and we couldn't do that and it's pretty heartbreaking man like you know, everyone was being a bit standoffish, weren't they, because of the mm. virus. So normally we go and we like, you know, we hug everyone and be like, yeah, 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 get a photo of me, how you doing? Yeah. And like, we couldn't do any of that really. So the fact that we still came home with so many people like, you know, in- engaged and, and and yeah, man, they've been amazing. Like, and just from being announced by that man, like we've had, we've got like, I mean, we did like, we sent some merch out the other day to like. 17 different countries it's like incredible wow because obviously those artists are like they were like you know they're absolute juggernauts and they're huge i mean so yeah i mean and those shows man like this just shows we've never done before they're just ridiculous the screams and like they're just watching him and they, they like scream every single word and it's like not like singing it's like you kind of almost have to hold your ears it's fucking ridiculous so, <laughs> so like yeah so for, for us to get that is an incredible opportunity and like and obviously because we work so hard and they're not used to that engagement i don't think because obviously people like one direction they were so big it's not their fault they could never have done that could they because they no you can't get anywhere near them you can't yeah. get anywhere near them where so i think for us for, with us they're like oh my god you're so nice because you do that and it's like yeah but we're just normal we're just normal lads man yeah you know what i mean like, i love football and i love i love writing songs and playing for you and i love getting drunk yeah that's it is <laughs> that's all it is man so so, so when are those shows being rescheduled to mate well this is the problem 
I don't yeah. think Europe's going to happen again because it's really it's it's not far. Well, it's far it's far away, but these are like three to six thousand caps. So August it's going to be a while. Yeah, August the second at the minute. Mm. Um, I, UK might UK September. I mean, yeah. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure when um, when he goes back out on the road, you'll be with him, mate. I'm sure you yeah, see got a good rapport so. with him and stuff. And but, but that, going back to your original question, so, so yeah, that that tour is like. So what what we're doing is we're basically doing like Spain and England and Germany, and what we're doing is we're because uh, we we have like a mailing list, which is why we've, how we've got everyone's like email addresses, and we basically are going to email all the Spanish fans a private Instagram account and then stream on that, so it's just me and them. So it makes it personal to them, you know, man. Like, awesome, man. That's a brilliant, brilliant idea. So that's like, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm not going to take credit for that. That's Sam, our manager. He comes, <laughs> up, he comes up with all the cool stuff. I've just got to, I've just got to do it basically and sing and chat to people. Speaking of which, though, also what's the thing we haven't spoken about is you've done things like house party shows and you've done things like oh, campsite yeah. shows. Yeah. Can you just t- tell people about those and and sort of the idea behind it and. You just turned up at people's houses and done gigs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. So the so the campsite shows. Basically, we, we were just like we were chatting, like obviously, it just be really like a really cool vibe to like because obviously when we like do when we when you are following at like if they're at festivals and they want to come see us, you know it's all like crunchy guitars and you know it's like drums, it's like full whack, you know. And we were like, wouldn't it be cool just to go with me and an acoustic guitar and just strip it right back to its core? And just have a nice, have a beer and a catch up. And, you know, if that was me and I was like a fan of somebody, a band, and they came into my council, I'd be like, oh my God, that's so, that's so cool. And, and like, you're just, a, you're just really normal. This is mad. And it, it reverts back to that thing, man. Like, just, just want to engage with people and just, and it's so cool. Like, so yeah, we just, what we did is we basically did little polls on Instagram. We always use Instagram. Instagram's the best tool for everything. And just basically we're like, oh, anyone, anyone be up for campsite shows? And everyone that voted yes, we just started messaging them, and then, and then we did one a truck, and when we played, that was our biggest festival we played, like crowd-wise. We we were very fortunate to pull a big crowd, and we had like two hundred people at the campsite show. It was amazing. Brilliant. Like we met. Have you been? Have you been to truck? Haven't been there. No. But it's, there's like you know, like you got the festivals that have like their name and like big letters in the middle of the arena. Mm. So we were like meet by the truck sign, and um. And we were expecting, man, like 30, 40 people, man, honestly. And, like, literally, we were like, right, meet at the truck sign at, like, 4 o'clock or whatever it was. And I had my guitar, my manager was with him, our photographer. And then all of a sudden, there was just this fucking mass group of people. And we were just like, what the fuck is going on? And then we Amazing. Were like, and then there was these people dressed in bumblebees. And we were like, right, so it's easy to follow. We'll just go to the bumblebees campsite. <clears throat> so they were all, and there was, like, a big fucking crowd of people. And then other people were joining it because I think people were just like, oh, what's this? And it was amazing, Piper. man. I had a little uh, little Roland travel lamp and just played three songs acoustically, man. And then, and then the house parties is just so fun, mate. Just getting pissed with people and just so funny because the neighbours just hate it because it's so, <laughs> so loud, isn't it? Like we're not even miking anything up. I mean, we're t- you know the drum kit's just there and like, <laughs> but yeah, like it was, yeah, the ca- uh, house party shows were really fun. Cause we were doing so like, is it like, like uni like, halls and stuff? Yeah, so we're doing it. Yeah, we couldn't we couldn't do it in any uni halls because it's just it's too difficult. It's when people have got like houses, obviously. Because I don't think the unis would be that keen on people fucking playing a gig in halls. 
yeah, yeah they were re- we plan on doing doing more of them as well um come september just to because we just always want to keep ourselves busy man like like you said like going back to what you said like sometimes you are just waiting aren't you there's been so many like it sounds from what obviously i'm telling you all about all the fun great stuff i mean there's been months of like nothing yeah like, yeah. like anyone you know like there's been yeah so but it seems like you you really take the initiative, you know, as a team and try and come up with cool ideas. Mm. I remember the only one sort of really cool idea I think we ever had with my old band, The Quotes, was when, do you remember when we, we hired a boat and we played on the, along the river yeah. outside Reading Festival? Reading Fest. we, we could not get a gig at Reading Festival. So we were like, do you know what? We're just going to, we literally hired a boat and we, we played live on the boat as people were coming into the festival oh, queue in. but you know that that was we got a funny video out of it anyway but it was quite cool you know people were coming in and out the festival but yeah i mean you've got you've got to be you've got to be like pr innovators these days just to, to get your band known because we're, mm. we're, we're in this strange time where it's easier than ever to be an artist you know as long as you've got a laptop and you know a microphone you you can put music out there and but that makes it harder to, because there's so many artists, you know. So it's like a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's like how, how do you get, how do you get to the people? How do you get your music to show at the top of people's feeds? And obviously, by doing what, but you, what you guys have done, you've, you've, you've achieved that, you know. And mm. um, yeah, I mean, it's just that's what it is, man, isn't it? Like, you know, it's harder than ever before because, like you said, there's so many, there's more artists and bands than there ever has been because it's so accessible for everybody like anyone can go get distro for spotify and just put a tune up do you know what i mean like it's, it's easy there's and it's and it's a great thing it's a, it's a brilliant thing you've got, you've got all these great you know distribution companies that, that put out music for unsigned artists and things but at the same time it's all about just trying to think outside the box i think and like for us we're just trying to twin like playing big shows and you know, with like really en- engaging with everybody, and I love doing it, man. Like some people won't want to do it. Yeah, so, like, yeah. Not for everyone. Like it's quite tough to talk into a camera. You've got to get quite good at it. It's Definitely. quite. I mean, I didn't like. I like. Sam was the one that was like, "You got to start doing more." You know, you talk to a camera. And I felt like a, a right a right idiot. Like, hello, how's it going, everyone? Like <laughs> on our first, on our first tour, we did the coast, but but now it's 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 fine and like. Yeah. I think, like you said before, mate, you've got to play to your strengths, haven't you? And you've mm-hmm. you've got to use your own personalities as as a vehicle to to connect with people. And if that means that you're weird and mysterious, you know, then you amplify that. But if 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 you're like yourself, like you said, and you're you're willing to chat with people and go out and have beers with people, you know, then then of course use that to your advantage, you know. Because I'm not like I'm not this mysterious, cool bloke, and like there's been people that have tried to make me that and been like, yeah, you know, you've got like to make sure you're really smouldering and it's like yeah but that's not me I'm just like this hyperactive guy who wants to get everyone jumping and I love seeing a mosh pit and a circle pit and we get everyone on the floor and then everyone fucking jumps up and goes mental I just want that I want people to come out of the gate being like that was ridiculous like the energy level up there like and that's what Sam and our team have allowed us to do is just completely be 100% true to ourselves and coincidentally the four of us all love the same music and we're all inspired by the same music so it's amazing, awesome, man. They're, man. Like my best, they're like my best mates now as well. Like you know what it's like, man. Like I'm sure the romances boys haven't been friends with you for as long as other people, but you're obviously really close because you have to spend a lot of time with each other, don't you? 
Yeah, definitely. It's a it's a relationship, isn't it? It's like mm. having it's like having four girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, <literally. laughs> like being in a four way relationship. I said that. Yeah. I mean, for us, our, our issue is just getting us in the same room because we're all, you know, everyone sort of does this, what I do. So we're, we're all sort of session guys. Mm. So all of us are sort of touring with different artists and doing different things. So just if, you know, it's a miracle just getting the five of us in the same room at the yeah. same time. Yeah. But um, I guess, you know, I I think, um, like you said, obviously, you're, you're working to sort of support what you're doing. I think I always say that there's like three ways of, of, uh, really trying to push your own music one is that you you do what i do and you're a session musician and and that that's how you make your money and then you do your music at the same time the second one is you do your version which is you you have a job and that that pays for your own original music and the, the third option is you have really rich parents and, <laughs> <laughs> and you, yeah literally you know and and that's the only way really you can you can be successful, you know, and each of those three come apart from the last one comes with its own limitations, doesn't it? And, mm. you know, do you, do you ever, did you ever find as well? Like people, people will say to you, like, like you'd say to them, like, oh, I've done this. And they'd be like, oh, that's so, uh, so that pays quite well. And, I'm, and you're like, no, <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's absolutely it's not. Cost, like, you know, I'll say, I don't care. We got, we got a hundred pounds for playing Reading and Leeds. Did you? pound a show. Yes. Mm. like people are like oh some good money there and like because we're independent we yes we we've you know we've made good money like from tickets and stuff but we just reinvest it all because we have to yeah of course because if we get another opportunity to do something who's going to pay for it? do you know what I mean who's going to pay for it like we, we have to like it's like running any startup business it's a business at the end of the day like the only way only the perks will be successful is if we start to make money otherwise it, it, everyone will get tired of it and it'll It'll, it'll exactly. Stop, we haven't chat about around. that the other day. We, you know, we we were talking about from from writing the song to when the music video goes up on YouTube. You know, I think I, I don't know exactly, but I was trying to work out how much it cost for one single to be put out. You know, with all the artwork and the video, and you know, you, you're talking like a couple of grand, aren't you, oh, yeah. for for oh, one yeah. single? Yeah. You know, so you know, and then and then if it doesn't get I mean, you know, how how many streams do you need to make that money back? Oh, I know, you know. I'm telling you that. That's another thing. People don't realise how how bad how you know artists aren't. Oh God, don't even get me started on streaming. I think it's awful. It's just you know, <laughs> it's like it's next to nothing. And and <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure you're you know you all the bands that you love and grew up listening to. You know, that was back when you know everyone would buy records. You know, and that you know the albums would be like bodies of work that people would like live with and it meant so much whereas now i feel like music is so like it's just everyone's onto the next thing so quickly and people don't live with bands anymore and like it's just there's so much music about that people just onto the next thing so you've got to really nail it like with every release and like there's just so much pressure on it now i think yeah absolutely especially when trying to get a record deal because like you know we're not we've not been signed i mean we're not some people would argue that we we weren't being signed but like we, we're not bothered right now because things are ticking over and we're like loving it and right now do i want somebody like barking orders at me maybe not mm. but i think i think with you guys you just got to keep doing what you're doing haven't you and, yeah. and you know you're you're in a you're in a position of strength mm. in that you've got a great following yeah you know, you've, you know you've you've been doing it all yourselves and you know i'm sure eventually if if and when a label comes um you know, you're in a much better position than you would be 
you know if, if you've if you've got none of that stuff you know so yeah because it's about getting the right it's about getting the right deal as well i think like because if you if, if you if you jump into something and you, it's not necessarily going to benefit you and i'm not talking about me the money just like you want you, you you want someone to really want you you know and like i just feel like the more we do on our own and and, and if things build you know it just it, it you know it increases like the value of what we could bring to some a third party you know so definitely like, mate but yeah don't get me wrong it is it's tough juggling jobs and and and, and juggling touring and writing is is really difficult for me and i have real low days because i do think fucking out how much what, what does it take to because people are surprised that that people think i do this full time i don't mm. i absolutely yeah. don't do this full time like far from i mean like it's i mean but i get a lot of satisfaction from doing all the social media stuff because that is like a job isn't it and and that yeah. makes you feel like you're doing you know you're you're you work i mean i do I'm, I'm talking to sam every single day seven days a week we speak on the phone every day about about whatever so in that sense it's it's still but like mate i'm i mean done about you man i'm struggling just not playing shows man that's rubbish isn't it like this oh definitely i miss miss playing shows the, the, the living room shows have been really good but it's not the same as not the same as, no. <laughs> it's not the same mate and do you find um, them nerve, nerve- nerve-wracking very nerve-wracking same i I actually i mean i've been doing i've been doing i think one of my shows was over three hours long so i've I've been doing like because i've I've literally just been getting drunk in my living room playing acoustic guitar and obviously i've been doing this so long i just know if somebody requests it nine times out of ten i know it Mm. and if i don't know it, i can blag it So, Mm. so i've just been i've been doing these really long shows and um I just had a proper meltdown the other day playing Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. I just, I just, because I was a bit, I was half drunk, like half cut by that point anyway. <laughs> and I just could not remember the chords, mate. I got to the bridge. I was just like, it must be strong. So, so much so that I had to literally the next day, I had to record a full on cover of it in my studio and put it on YouTube just to, uh, to get the demons out that I could actually play that song. Yeah. It's just like so embarrassing. But yeah, you, you know, it's, it's like, it's high pressure because all you can hear is yourself and that you're not, you're not getting any energy back. Mm. Um, so I, I find them really nerve wracking actually. So yeah. true about the energy, isn't it? Cause that's like something you feel of as an artist, like that, like the crowd, isn't it? I mean, that that's something that, good. yeah, definitely. I, I think audience members, I guess, I guess they, they can understand it a little bit, but when you're on stage, it's, when you're, especially if you're doing a, a tour and or extended amount of shows, it's a really sort of it's a real tangible thing. You can actually feel the energy. It really affects the show, doesn't it? Yeah. And then I, you start the show and you give energy off, and the crowd are normally a bit sleepy to begin with, but then they give you something back, and it and it becomes this sort of snowball where you get energy from them, and it comes to this peak, sort of. You know, I mean, a lot of the things I do are two, two halves. So you get to that sort of three quarters of the way through the the second half of the gig and it's just this massive ball of energy in the room yeah you know and and yeah it's bizarre it's this real thing you can actually feel it and it really does affect you know the, the audience really affects the way that you perform and the way that you feel and um it, it makes it yeah. makes me sing better <laughs> yeah exactly mate of course, bro. it's literally that's exactly what it is man like it's that's why we are so like i know i'm banging on about it but i'll say it again and again that is why we are so engaged engaged with our fans because they have got just as a, as an important job if not a more important job than us because 
you know, if 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 I walk out on stage, there's none of them in there. It's gonna be a rubbish show for us, isn't it? Like yeah. the, the energy you get back is such a special thing. Like you said, it's the, it's like a it's like an, a ball of energy. I've never really thought of it like that, and it's a really good way of putting it. Like it's incredible, and you see how it see what it like when you see what it means to to somebody. Like we had we had a a guy who re- unfortunately lost his wife to cancer who. And her favourite song was Ceasefire, and he came to a show, and I, and we all welled up on stage because I saw him in the crowd getting really emotional, and I was like, it's the power of music, isn't it? it can really yeah, touch people, and, it, and it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I, I spoke to him afterwards, and I I said, you know, it's you know, thank you so much for coming, and and but yeah, man, like it's just it's incredible. I love it. Thinking about it's making me miss it more. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I know, mate. And people don't realise you know I guess how much it means to certain people I remember I mean this story is just it's just absolutely mental and I'm not going to keep you too much longer but I was when I was doing that film thing the Gutter Dammering thing um the guys from Eagles of Death Metal were in the film as well and, and we were actually on stage with them we did we did the forum as well in Kentish Town mm. and we did and we did um we did this sort of um preview show of the film so Jesse Hughes um and Dave Catcher from Eagles of Death Metal were there, as well as uh, Tuesday, who's Jesse's girlfriend. And we were on stage with them. We did this gig. Um, Grace Jones was there as well. And a few other people, Elena Hannes from Queens of Stone Age. And, and um, we were sort of partying after us, having a drink. And basically, they got on their tour bus and um, went straight to Paris. And they were the band that were playing at the Bataclan when the terrorist attack happened. Um, so literally... Um, you know, when was it? Was it 2017, I think? And, you know, like 150 of their fans were, were shot and killed. It was like this, you know, this absolutely horrendous um, mm. terror attack. And I was watching it all unfold on TV. Like, I was literally with these guys, like, less than less than sort of 12 hours ago. Wow. And this one guy, um, he'd been at our show, and he, he'd then gone to Paris to watch the Eagles death metal the next night. And he'd been shot, I think in the shoulder. And I think he might've been shot twice and in surgery to get the bullets out, they'd cut his gutter dammering t-shirt that he'd bought the night before at our gig. They cut it off him. And we had a message from, from one of his mates like, do you reckon it'd be possible to get him another t-shirt? And we were just like, of course it's fucking all right to yeah. get him another teacher like yeah. is is he okay like and and the, the director of the movie Bjorn he obviously called him and had a, I think had a really good chat with him and and obviously we sent him sent him some merch and stuff like that but mm. it, you know pe- people don't realize the power of like what being a fan is and being being part of that community and it was like the least we could do was send him another T-shirt. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they probably thought that was like a really oh, like that's a, you going out your way. Like you said, it's it's like yeah, of course, of course you can. Like yeah, yeah, it was yeah, crazy times, man. Oh god, I I, I remember that. I remember that now. I, I now you mentioned it because I've it was twenty seventeen, wasn't it? Yeah, Christ, mm. awful. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry to start talking about terrorist attacks, mate. No, no, um, <laughs> so what? Um, I'm not like I said, I won't keep you too much longer. But what's what's next? Obviously, we're in these really uncertain times at the moment. But what's yeah. what's the plan for you boys? Sort of coming up. So we've got. Uh, so we've written and recorded uh, like a, like an EP. So we're gonna rather than bring it out and like as one body of work, we're gonna scatter it. So it's gonna be four singles that will then 
uh, merge into a, an EP. Uh, and they're songs that kind of written really about this time, I guess. There's one that was written about uh, that situation when we were like in that legal thing. So that's kind of like a bit of a ballsy tune, that one. But yeah, so the plan is to release new music. Obviously, when this commotion is over, like, jump back on the tour with, with Louis Thomas, which is going to be incredible. We've got, like, some amazing shows with him booked. And then, yeah, and then I think probably bu- look at booking a headline. So we're going to have to probably do something bigger than Scarlet, aren't we? Which yes, mate. I'm definitely going to come to I don't know what we're going to... I don't even know <laughs> what we're going to do. I don't know what venue it will be. I'm trying to think. <sighs> what know is... What You've played Shepherd's Bush before, haven't you? Supporting, yeah. S- supporting, Shepherd's so. Bush would be ridiculous, but Shepherd's Bush is 2000, it's too, it's too big. Why not, mate? God, imagine <laughs> that. Imagine mate, that. I love it when, when you drive around Shepherd's Bush and the name is just on the, the thing. Oh, so. God. <laughs> oh, my God. We played, we played there twice. We've been very lucky. Yeah. Amazing, beautiful venue, but. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? I've played there a couple of times. Oh, mate. My, Actually, my, I think I've played there once, I think. Have you played Brixton? I haven't played the Academy, no. Oh, my God. That's, that's, you know what? That's Do you know dream. what? That's Actually, we, um, when I was doing Gutter Dameron, we had a show booked at Brixton. Oh, man. And and it got rescheduled, and they rescheduled it to the London Palladium instead. So we ended oh. up doing the Palladium. But it was, I mean, the Palladium was amazing because. Yeah, of course. It was, it was quite funny, actually, because. Obviously, the Palladium's a theatre, and, you know, they obviously do live at the Palladium there. And I think, and this thing was like a proper heavy metal show. It was like, you know, and I, I think I might be one of the only people to come out on to the stage at London Palladium and go, make some fucking noise. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that, like the week after us was like the wind in the willows. Do you know what I mean? That's, oh, that's the kind God. of stuff that they have on there. <laughs> so it was funny. Brixton is like the, the one for me, man. That's like the that's the that would be the dream. Let's, let's how, say, how big is Brixton? That's like five thousand, right? 5, yeah. 5, have you been? I went to see Sundara Karma there. Um, oh, yeah. So, so I, the, I, like the floor's like that as well. So when you're on stage, the audience go up. So it's just incredible. The view. I mean, it'd just be insane. Yeah, it's great, man. But you, yeah, you boys will get band. there, man. Sundara I've got no band. doubt. Great band. Great. Yeah. Band. So. So their drummer Hayden's a really good mate of mine. His so his dad, um, this guy called Tufty, Mark Evans, he produced our quotes record. Oh, it's Tufty's his dad. Yeah, so Tufty's oh, his dad. So um, so yeah, man, that he's he's a real good mate. So he he used to be hanging around the studio when we were recording that record when he was about sort of fourteen, fifteen. Right. And um, it's funny, man, how, how things go. Because he, he said to me when he's been half pissed before, he's been like, oh, man, I used to really look up to you guys. I loved your stuff. And I'm like, man, like, you're in Sundara Karma. Like, you boys yeah. are ridiculous. Like, I'm looking up to you, you know. It's like, it's so nice how how everyone has their own path and does their own thing, you know. Mm, definitely, man. Yeah, like, same as me, mate. Innocent Flow, what a tune that is. <laughs> Thank Such you, buddy. a tune, that, mate. That's a great song. I... I was uh, try- I was hoping you'd play that on your live stream. You did. Yeah, I've been, I have been. Mate. I've been playing those old tunes, but I, lo- I love them actually. As I get, as the older it's I get, I just great song. That it's a great, great song, bro. Thank you. And I, I just Vodka, get older. Right? Vodka, 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 more sentimental. Vodka, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the clowns and superstars. Yeah, I d- actually did that one the other day as well. Yeah. 
Mate, you're uh, talking about stuff I wrote when I was a little girl. Termo's so. beautiful song. <laughs> you said, I remember me and Dan Bartlett listening to the, I think it was the last, because did you do a few albums, The Quotes? We did, yeah. We did We did one when a, we were really young, about 17, and then we did one when we were sort of like 21, which was like a, and we did an EP as well. Is the one with Tufty the one when you were 21? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the one that me and Dan would listen to. Yeah, it's, it was oh, called yeah. State of Activity. I'm really proud of that record, man. Yeah, it's, it's really, great. Uh, it's really cool. I've still got it, mate. I'm still on the still on the old iTunes. Still yes. <laughs> right, Tommy. I've been doing this thing with with um, everyone who's come on the podcast. So I want it's a. I'm going to put you on the spot, but you've got a choice of picking either. Now this is a big choice. Either you could do it one gig one night with anyone ever, so like a super group that you can be on stage with for one night only, or you can pick a five-a-side football team that you can play a match with, and you could pick anyone in. So you, if you want, you could have footballers in your band or vice versa. It doesn't matter. But I know you're into your football. Who do you support, by the way? You're a Reading fan, aren't you? Yeah. Well, mate, it's worth mentioning this as well. So. You are the one of the reasons why I no longer support Man United. Not because you're a dick or anything. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember when me and you you got free tickets to go and see? You took me to Old Trafford, and it was Reading Man United in the FA Cup, and we lost to Reading lost two one, and Hernandez scored another eighth minute, and you were like yes to me, and I was like I feel like I'm cheating on my wife. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Mate, the thing is, I I've, so I was then on, mate, I've not I'm not literally completely not Man United. I mean I. I don't, I don't, yeah, just a complete Premier League neutral, which is probably more enjoyable, to be honest, because, man, it must be fucking frustrating being a Man United fan of late, mate. <laughs> well, you know, I think we've turned a corner, actually. Yeah, no, you are playing good football now, but I'm a, I'm a huge Reading fan, but my football knowledge is fantastic, and the answer to that question is probably the five-a-side football game, to be honest, which is really bad coming from a musician, but... Go on. I love so, football. So, so who would your five-a-side, your fantasy five-a-side, who would it be? So, so... As in me plus four players? You plus four. Right, so my keeper would be... Oh, God, who would my keeper be? Hmm. Oh, God, Seaman. David. Seaman. Yes. Yeah. I also I sometimes used to see him walking around the Oracle. I think he lives quite local to Reading. <laughs> yeah, obviously, because his son... I think, I believe his son plays for Reading, did he, or something? I don't know. I've seen Martin Keown some place for Reading. He, he, I've seen him a few times. Uh, so... And then, like, it's, I mean, you've got to play with Ronaldo, haven't you? Because it's Ronaldo. And then you've probably got to play with Messi because then you get a judgment on who's better on a football pitch. So, yeah. So so be you, like, so Ronaldo, be, Messi. I'll be like, I'll be sweeper. So, I'll be like, I'll be like C you know, CDM. And then you've got, you know, Ronaldo right wing, Messi left wing, Seaman in goal. A bit of a weird team, this. <laughs> who would be, who would be, ah, oh, he's, oh, there's so, so many footballers, isn't there? Oh, God. I mean, do you know what I'm going to say? Because I've just watched his documentary this morning. Gaza. Oh, mate, what a player Gaza was. What a player. I just... And I loved him. And I and I kind of stopped thinking about him, how good he was. And I, Have you seen it? It's on Netflix. Have you seen it? The Gascoigne documentary? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, no. mate. It's on Netflix. I'm going to watch it. Watch I'm it. Watch I, it. I, I literally watched it this morning before I came on to speak to you. It's just so... Just You just kind of... Re- it just reminds you of how incredible he was, and he'd be great fun in the bar afterwards as well, oh, wouldn't he? God, yeah, like they, him and Paul Merson used to do a thing where they used to put money in the middle of the table and drink 
bottles and bottles of red wine and see whoever and whoever fell asleep last just took the money. <laughs> they take like loads of sleeping pills and shit. It's pretty fucked up, man. So yeah, that's my that's my very random fantasy uh, fantasy five side team. That's perfect, mate. Yeah, that's perfect. Tommy, thank you so much for doing this, mate. It's been such no a worries. pleasure to catch up with you. Yeah, it's and, been good, um, mate. It's long overdue, mate. So I'm pleased we did it. So there we have it, Tommy from Only the Poets. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. It was so great to catch up with him. What a legend he is. If you want to find out more about Only the Poets and why wouldn't you, go to facebook.com slash onlythepoets or onlythepoets on Instagram. The boys have got a headline show coming up on the 8th of December at Sub 89 in Reading, so get your tickets now. Next week's guest is bass playing sensation Wayne Banks, telling stories of his career working with BG Robin Gibb and of course as topless bass playing wizard in the classic rock show. This was a Jesse Smith production. Music by Neil X, Mark Garfield, and me. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, please email stayinalivepod at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next week. But until then, stay safe, stay alive, and I'll see you very soon. Ta-ta!